turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. So who are the 26%? According to USA Today, that's the number of uh, people in the United States of America who actually approve of the way Joe Biden is handling the withdrawal from Afghanistan. 62% disapprove. Now, seriously, can we please find someone who can articulate what it is that they like about how the big guy has handled this? Now, his overall uh, poll numbers, according to USA Today, uh, are really headed down the toilet. He has a 41% overall approval rating and a 55% disapprove. And you want to hear something really sick? 87% of Democrats think he's doing a good job right now, which means that if an election were held tomorrow, they'd vote for him again, I guess. Do you know where the big guy should be right now? He should be in Delaware. Right now he's uh, speaking to the world uh, from the White House about this. But what, what he should be doing is... Uh, standing at a crosswalk in Delaware working as a crossing guard. He could tell the kids stories about corn pop, and he'd be doing some good, assuming he still understands that the red means stop and green means go. He, he sure shouldn't be commanding American armed forces. He's getting crushed in the polls, by the way, on immigration and the economy, and it's about 50-50 on COVID-19. So what's he going to do to turn those numbers around? And what's really scary is that this bumbling idiot has three years and five months left. If he finishes his term, that is. I'm still thinking he's not going to make it till Christmas, but that's just me. And as pathetic as it is to see this guy trying to pretend he's president, imagine for a minute Kamala Harris coming out today and telling the world what she plans to do, how she's going to get this under control, and imagine the world having any confidence whatsoever in anything that she says. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to an expert on foreign policy. That would be Monica Crowley, who's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. And in our second half hour, we're going to have uh, Tim Murtaugh, Donald Trump's former communications director, to talk about how the big guy has handled the media, or maybe how the media have handled him. uh, We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. We call him Willy Wonka. He's a chocolate lab. His belly itched and he would actually lay in the grass and scoot across it to scratch. And Sheba, his sister, she scratched her ears real bad and she shook her head so much. She wound up with cauliflower ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. When we uh, first got the Dynavite, they cleaned the bowls up real good. Her ears, they're a whole lot better. Wonka, his belly, it's all really cleaned up. He uh, flops over and lays on his back and just kicks his legs, and I call it his happy dance. They look good and even smell good in between baths. You should give your dogs Dynavite before something happens, and that's kind of like preventative maintenance. Dynavite for life. It makes them healthier and happier. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. And your dogs will love it just like mine do. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 83121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. 
Did you know that Big Lou can vaccinate your entire estate from the virus known as Uncle Sam? That's right. Big Lou and Term Provider have the only single-dose solution in town, a $1 million term life insurance policy. Yep, a $1 million term life insurance policy with no side effects. One call to Big Lou can lead to an entire estate vaccination that'll provide 100% guaranteed protection against estate taxes and debt, even if you are a bit porky or have a splash of sugar diabetes. In fact, a 50-year-old male may qualify for half a million dollars of coverage for less than 100 bucks per month. A million for less than 200 per month. Call Big Lou at Term Provider to get the service and price you deserve with zero side effects. Call 800-555-2085 right now. 800-555-2085. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He follows the science, too. Call 800-555-2085 or visit BigLou.com. Big Lou doesn't give tax advice. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-in Pest-Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-in Pest-Free goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair income. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code P-E-N. Go pestfree.com. Promo code PEN. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. The pandemic has been tough on everyone, but imagine living in a country where food, clean water, and basic services are hard to come by even in the best of times. That's the daily reality for poor families throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, where COVID has been absolutely devastating, especially for children. But right now, during our annual Food for the Poor campaign, a small business like yours can make an immediate, lasting impact. And there's something in it for you. When you make a tax-deductible gift of $1,200 at TheAnswerPGH.com, you'll not only help Food for the Poor feed 30 children for six months, we'll give your business 40 60-second commercials to run on this station Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. at no additional charge. Just click the red banner at TheAnswerPGH.com to make your donation, and we'll be in touch. Do it today, and thank you for your support. That's TheAnswerPGH.com slash food for the poor. TheAnswerPGH.com slash food for the poor. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, President Biden says he's pulling everybody out of Afghanistan on August 31st, and the Taliban is happy. They said they'd be very upset if he extended the deadline, and we can't have that. So what's going on here, and what's the magnitude of this screw-up? Monica Crowley is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, a former assistant to the Secretary of the Treasury in the the Biden administration, and she joins us now. Monica, thanks for coming on. Hey, John, thank you for having me, although I have to correct you. I was not Assistant Secretary of the Treasury in the Biden administration. (laughs) No, you weren't. No, you weren't. I'm looking at Joe Biden right now, so my head is filled with it. Yeah, I I think there's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. Yes, you cannot pay me enough. (laughs) So uh, I'm I'm, unfortunately I'm I'm watching uh, Joe Biden's up there now talking about what he's going to do. But I think everybody knows what he's going to be saying here. So how bad is this, Monica? Whatever he's saying now, I'm sure he's saying he's, you know, everything's wonderful right now, but we know it's not. This is catastrophic, John, and thank you for having me. Uh, You know, he opened his remarks just now. He's about three hours late for this little speech. Uh, And he opened his remarks talking about the trillions of dollars in additional domestic spending that he and the Democrats want to do. While we have well over 10,000 Americans trapped behind enemy lines. So obviously, this White House wants to get the attention off of this catastrophic failure in Afghanistan that is going to come right back to our doorstep very, very soon. Between what is happening with the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, which also includes ISIS and al-Qaeda, and the wide open border, you can literally see 
a potential terror attack coming down the track. You know, right after 9-11, there was all of this hand-wringing, John, about how could we have missed this? Where were our intelligence services? Why wasn't the FBI all over this? How could this have happened? Well, now you can literally see we are tempting fate. You can literally see the danger coming down the track. And yet this administration, nobody in it is doing anything to stop it. In fact, the exact opposite. They are encouraging uh, non-vetted refugees to come into this country. They are encouraging al-Qaeda, ISIS and the Taliban to use Afghanistan once again as a base of operations. And all of that military equipment that you paid for, that your president has allowed to fall into enemy hands, is now going to be reverse engineered by the Chinese, the Russians and the Iranians to use against us. So the order of magnitude of this, it, it's not just a screw up. This is a ca calamity of epic proportions, and it is going to come and land in your lap sooner rather than later. So it is actually worse than it looks right now, because we, yes. we, we've seen nothing yet, is what you're saying. Oh, we have not seen anything yet. I mean, remember, after the United States withdrew from Vietnam, after the fall of Saigon, that's when the real killing started. So you had 600,000 South Vietnamese jump into boats trying to flee the communist takeover. They died at sea. You had the communists killing tens of thousands of people who happened to work with the United States troops in Vietnam. Then you saw total communist takeover. You saw the killing fields in Cambodia. I mean, the whole thing was a cascade of killing. So what you're seeing now is nothing compared to what is going to happen when Biden pulls the trigger on August 31st or earlier, leaving Americans behind and those who helped us and risked their lives, that is when the real killing is going to start. And all of that blood is on Joe Biden's hands, Kamala Harris's hands, and his entire national security team. That was what I was going to ask you next. Um, do you get the feeling that, that uh, Biden is acting alone on this? I mean, I know that uh, he can't nobody can can uh, come off the reservation yet, if I'm allowed to use that um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that analogy uh, these days. But uh, but they're, they're not um, he's got to keep everybody together publicly. But do you get the feeling that a lot of his team is wondering what he's what he's thinking and why is why is he doing this? They think he's crazy. Well, I, I think I think a lot of people not just around him, but the American people can see him every day. He can barely function. I'm not sure the president knows what planet he's on most of the time. Yeah. So the, the question is, who is really in charge? About an hour ago, our embassy in Kabul put out a bulletin to all Americans in Afghanistan, basically saying, if you can't get to the airport in the next day or so, uh, we're going to leave you behind. And then 30 minutes later, they retracted it. They pulled it back. Is anybody in charge? No. Never mind the president or the vice president. By the way, the vice president, Kamala Harris, is in Vietnam today. How perfect is that? Right. This, this team has not learned a single lesson from the last debacle that, that damaged so gravely American power, prestige, and credibility, and our ability to act on the world stage. And when America is weak or crippled, that means escalating violence, escalating destruction, and greater death. What is uh, the, the effect of this on the way the rest of the world will now um, look at the United States in, in situations like this? Well, our enemies are emboldened. If you embolden one enemy like the Taliban, you embolden all of our enemies around the world. So the Chinese, the Iranians, the Russians, you name it, they're all licking their lips. And then the message that our allies take is that we are not reliable. So if you're Israel, if you are South Korea, if you're Japan, the Philippines, you're throwing up your hands. Western Europe, they know they cannot count on the United States under this president. They are on their own. And the ramifications for this, John, are going to be very dangerous. We're talking to Monica Crowley. She's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and a former assistant to the Secretary of the Treasury in the Trump 
administration. Uh, his poll numbers, uh, Monica, are in the toilet, especially on his handling of Afghanistan. How does he recover politically from this? He's got actually four huge problems. The catastrophic failure in Afghanistan, the catastrophic failure at the southern border, the rise in crime, and then the slowing of the U.S. economy, including skyrocketing inflation, which is affecting every American. So the latest poll I saw was a USA Today poll today showing his job approval at 41 percent. I actually think it's a lot lower than that. But certainly the trend lines are precipitously down. So that's why I think they're wheeling out this president who this should be his nap time. But there he is on the screen right now. They're wheeling him out because they realize they've got a huge political problem on their hands. You know, they care more about lying. They're more committed to lying to the American people every day than they are to getting our fellow Americans out of Afghanistan. And they're more committed to to the politics of this than they are to the national security part. Yeah, that USA Today poll, it it actually uh, said that 26% of the people polled think he's doing a good job on Afghanistan. And when I opened my show today, I said, who are these people? Find me one of those 26% so I can ask them to run, you know, run a couple of things by me that they like about what he's doing with Afghanistan. And that it's, I mean, that's terrible, 26%. But I, I think that's about double what, what, what is the real number. Well, you'll always get a percentage that will defend their man at all costs, yeah. no matter what. Um, the difference this time is that the left-wing media, which is most of them, mm-hmm. uh, have turned on Biden because so many of them have actually been covering Afghanistan for 20 years. And the images coming out of there are just undeniable. So even they can't run cover for him. There are a few like Jennifer Rubin at The Washington Post, but they're all irrelevant. The, the most of the mainstream media now is piling on him because they realize this is a catastrophic failure that is actually going to impact every American one way or another and sooner rather than later. The, uh, that USA Today poll said uh, by more than two to one, uh, people say that the war in Afghanistan, Afghanistan was not worth it. Uh, that's I, I, I'd like to have seen those numbers a month ago. Uh, this they just you know two to one is probably uh, being kind right now. Well, yeah, I mean, especially when you end the military intervention the way Biden is ending it now. Of course, you look back and say, why did we do this? Why was there so much American sacrifice for this? For this kind of ignominious ending? Oh, I don't think so. Remember after 9-11, we went in there, John, with a limited view of overthrowing the Taliban and trying to uh, draw up some immediate institutions to back a government. And then we were supposed to get out. Also the same with Iraq, by the way. And then our corrupt foreign policy establishment intervened in both cases and said, oh, we got to stay for a long time. we got a nation build and all of this jazz to keep the military industrial complex going. It would still be going if Donald Trump hadn't been elected and said, wait a minute, we're going to put a stop to these forever wars, but we're going to do it responsibly. So he had a thoughtful, responsible plan that Biden took and threw right out the window. And this will echo through decades of American history coming up, just like the fall of Saigon did for us. And it's all going to be laid at the legacy of right now, probably the worst president in U.S. history. And he's only been in for, what, seven months. Um, so what about the job that, that uh, the Biden administration is doing on messaging? As you mentioned, he was late for this. Uh, he's been they've said he's going to come out and speak at one o'clock and he shows up at four or, you know, he comes two or three hours late. Um, it just seems like they, they don't know what their message is going to be from one minute to the next. I will tell you, having served at a very high level in government, anytime there is a public statement, it does have to go through a whole process, especially when it's coming from the president. So like an opening statement of a president, it does go through, it goes through a legal vetting, it goes through a communications vetting, it goes through something called the staff secretary uh, at the White House. So it's reviewed in many layers. It probably has to go to the State Department, the Defense Department, uh, and so on. But all of that being said, you should factor that in before you tell, tell the world what time the president is coming out. If you think that process is going to take six hours, 
you tell the American people he's coming out at 6 p.m. You don't say he's coming out at noon. They do, you know, for people who have been in government a long time, like this crew, they have no idea what they're doing on communications. Never mind strategy. It's a disaster. Uh, as you mentioned, the media are even bailing on them on this, and that it takes a lot to get the media to, to do something, to take a negative approach to this guy. Uh, how long do you think it'll be before most of them, uh, you know, start changing the narrative and look for ways to get him off the hook on this, if not make him into a hero somehow at some point? Yeah, yeah, very difficult to do before next Tuesday. So Joe Biden has accepted marching orders from the Taliban on the deadline. He could extend it if he wants. He's the president of the United States, sitting atop a military hyperpower. He can do whatever he wants. But he's taking his orders from the Taliban, which is horrifying in and of itself. The White House earlier today said, you know, August 31st, next Tuesday, week from today, um, you know, we're probably going to have to end operations a few days before that. Because, you know, we have all this logistical jazz that we have to worry about. John, so we're looking at, what, just another four or five days to get over 10,000 Americans out? Meanwhile, we have been party to rescuing over 26,000 Afghans and only about 4,400 Americans. Whatever happened to America first, this is disgusting and it's sickening. Yeah, and, you know, what you're saying is what I'm hearing from everybody. I and mean, then nobody is... is, uh, is taking any kind of a, um, uh, a soft approach to this, they're, they're just absolutely trashing uh, Biden and trashing what he's been doing and what he's do- in the process of doing right now. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I've been around a while. I've never heard anybody get ripped the way this guy and the way this, this uh, idea and this, uh, this, um, this policy has gotten ripped. I've never heard of this. this I mean, I lived through Vietnam and, and uh, you know, the, the fall of Saigon and all that stuff, and I was in college at the time, but I just don't remember anybody just absolutely destroying a president like this from all sides. Yes, yes, because it's just undeniable. I mean, what he's doing is indefensible. So, again, you've got like a handful of people who are trying to defend what's going on, but actually there, there are very few and, you know, the, the question is not, and, and Joe Biden keeps throwing up the straw man, the question is not getting out of Afghanistan. The majority of Americans, including me, who supported it in 2001, we agree it was time to get out. We supported Trump on that. Yeah. We supported the overall mission. But it's the way you get out. And Richard Nixon, you know, I, he was my very first job. I worked for him in the last years of his life. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote a column for The Spectator last week, John. It's up on my Instagram account, at Monica Crowley underscore on Instagram. You can see it there because Nixon and I talked very extensively about the fall of Saigon and the lessons learned. This president, Biden, has rejected all of those lessons. So why did we go through the damn fire in Vietnam if nobody was going to ever learn from it? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I only have about a minute left. Um, and I was going to ask you about how Nixon would have, have handled this, because you did. You wrote two books about him, spent a lot of time with him, and I think foreign policy was his strength. Uh, and so what would he have been? what do you think he'd be saying about this right now? Yeah, and please go see my column on my Instagram account, at Monica Crowley underscore, because I have long quotes in that piece from Nixon from the early 1990s to me about the fall of, of Saigon. And the lesson always is the way you exit a military engagement matters as much, if not more, than the way you fight it. Wow, and uh, that's not a good sign for uh, for Mr. Biden here. He's not going to look no. good the way he's exiting. Well, he said he wants to get everybody out, and he doesn't even, they don't know how many people there are, and he's promising to get them all out. So it's impossible. Hey, hey Monica, I, I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. My pleasure, John. Thank you. Okay, that's Monica Crowley. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the group of seven nations will not recognize a Taliban government unless the group guarantees people can leave the country if they wish. Johnson says G7 leaders 
have agreed on a roadmap on how they were going to engage with the Taliban. The number one condition we're setting as G7 is that they've got to guarantee right the way through, uh, through August the 31st and beyond, a safe passage, safe passage for those who, who want to, to come out. The Taliban have warned that the U.S. airlift from Afghanistan must end August 31st. President Biden says the U.S. is committed to that deadline. But British Defense Secretary Ben Wallace says, quote, we're not going to get everybody out of the country before August 31st. This is SRN News. Let's be boring and do a commercial about cash out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years, while rates have come so far down, we've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment, and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Carl Jackson sees a way of saving this country. It's so frustrating when we see our country, and, and I believe intentionally being destroyed by the Biden administration and leftists within his administration. The answer to saving this country is the Constitution. That's never changed. Guys, let's go back to the basics. If we go back to the basics, we'll win. The Larry Elder Show with guest host Carl Jackson. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Traders, listen up. As life in America starts to return to normal, are you looking for the best trading opportunities? With the current real estate market, the rise of crypto, and the volatility of tech stocks, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With VantagePoint, you don't have to. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to learn how our technology analyzes over 1 million data points per day. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 so you can learn how to predict market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Whether you're trading stocks, options, forex, futures, or crypto, Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how to maximize your gains. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to learn how to use the volatility to your advantage. Don't wait. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 now. By texting in, you consent to receive calls, voice, and text messages using automated technology regarding offers by or on behalf of Vantage Point. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Plenty of delays for you Parkway West. Inbound heavier now. Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Solid Parkway East. Outbound from Bates Street to the Edgewood Avenue overpass. Inbound around a 10-minute delay. 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound 28 delays from Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Accident off to the shoulder. Southbound 79 at the exit for Crafton. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. We'll see mostly clear skies for tonight. Expect areas of late night fog. It will be humid with a low of 68. Tomorrow, partly sunny skies, warm and humid. Temperatures approaching near record highs with a high of 91. Thursday will be humid and remain warm with times of clouds and sunshine. We'll see an afternoon thunderstorm in parts of the area. Thursday's high 89. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. 
Well, the crisis in Afghanistan has uh, really been tough on the media. They've been forced to actually, you know, tell the truth. And they've been tough on the big guy. Uh, you just wonder how long it will be before they figure out how to make him a, a sympathetic figure or, or turn him into a uh, maybe a hero. Tim Murtaugh knows all about how the media can treat a president. He was the communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. He joins us now. Tim, good to have you back on. How are you? Doing well, John. Good to be with you again. So um, the media have been tough on Biden, but how much different would it be if uh, your old boss were still president? (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't think we'd be in this situation if President Trump were still in the Oval Office. Uh, But let's let's say you just parachuted him into this situation. I mean, it would be uh, 100 percent wall to wall excoriating of the president. Uh, his strategy, his his uh, self-contradictions, the fact that uh, the military commanders, other members of his administration, uh, members of the media have like instantly contradicted things that Biden has said about conditions on the ground in Afghanistan. It, it would be it would be merciless. And I, I think to the media's credit, they have been pretty tough on Biden. And they they have fact checked him um, pretty, pretty immediately after he said these things that are obviously wrong. But when he's standing there right in front of him, he's had two press conferences where he took questions on Friday and then again on Sunday. And on Friday, he said a series of things that were demonstrably, demonstrably untrue. He said that he hadn't heard and was not aware of any criticism from our NATO allies. That's not true. He said that al Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan. That's not true. And he said that Americans were having no trouble reaching the airport. That's not true. He said those things on Friday. And on Sunday, he took questions again. And that would be the time for reporters to say, hey, why do you say these things that are so obviously untrue? And no one asked him that question. So they're tough on him, but not when he's standing in the room there with them. So, uh, you know, it's easy to to be critical when you're sitting in your studio. But when the president's right in front of you, uh, they treat him with kid gloves even to this day. Yeah, and you see Peter Ducey of Fox will keep asking the tough questions. And I, and I wonder when I uh, – I've actually been in that media room, uh, I think it was once or twice, uh, and, and, I, and I look around and I see um, the, the people sitting there watching Peter Ducey. Are they thinking, why is this guy being so tough on poor Joe? Or are they? Are, I mean, because uh, I mean, I've been to a million press conferences, and you you, uh, you respect uh, uh, respect another media person when, when he or she asks a tough question. Yeah, I, I don't know what the dynamic is between Peter and and uh, his, the rest yeah. of his colleague there in, in the press corps. But I mean, if you think back to when President Trump was president. Oh. Every last one of the reporters was vicious. Just remember how Jim Acosta used to be. Right. And that, that was fairly well the norm. And now it's just really, it's only duty. He's the only one who consistently asks difficult questions. And so if the rest of the press corps is sitting there looking at him, I believe what should be going through their minds is, gosh, he's asking the real questions that we all should be asking. I mean, he's the one who yesterday asked Jen Psaki about Americans who are trapped inside Afghanistan, and he used the word stranded. And she said, oh, I think it's irresponsible to use that word. Yeah. Well, what would you call it? What would right. you call it? When We're not just talking about that one airport. There are, there are Americans in provinces all across Afghanistan who can't get to that one airport. What would you call them if not stranded? And that was, you know, that created a little bit of a firestorm, and it was the result of Ducey's question. So I, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, and I, I just I wonder, if, you know, having worked in the media all my life, um, how it is that only one person seems to have the guts to confront the uh, not just Biden but the other people that are that come to these press conferences. Um, what are you doing there if you're not going to ask? Uh, and some of the questions that Peter Ducey asks are a hundred percent obvious, and you know, yeah. it's, it's, and they're fair questions. These aren't yeah. these aren't gotcha questions. These aren't. Uh, Jim Acosta-style questions with these made-up fake sources that he always used to use. These are actual questions, like, what do you tell Americans who are stranded in Afghanistan? That's like like a legitimate question, since there are thousands of Americans over there right now. Uh, And but here's the thing: when when they and some of the reporters are are tough on Jen Psaki, at least they have been over the past week or so. 
Well, when Biden was standing there on Sunday, Ed O'Keefe from CBS News, and I, I know Ed, I, I know most of these people, yeah. he stood up and he asked Biden about bad polling about mm-hmm. it, saying yeah, you know, saw Biden's that, yeah. not confident. But he felt the need to go light on yeah. Biden even then. And in the midst of his question, he actually apologized. <laughs> he said, forgive me, uh. I'm just the messenger. So it's yeah. like, I'm sorry I have to ask you this difficult question about a poll. Yeah. And it, was, it was not about a, the policy or Americans or any of that. It was about a poll. So, and, you know, give him credit for asking a reasonably tough question. But, geez, don't apologize in the middle of it. You would think that somebody who's been in the media long enough to, to reach that level where he's in a, you know, in a room questioning the president of the United States would have enough self-awareness to know how bad that looks. But uh, apparently... Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, of course, I don't know the guy, but I'm, I'm guessing that he wouldn't feel that embarrassed by it because he, he wouldn't think that too many people in that room would be critical of him for saying it. Well, I don't think he probably planned to apologize right. in the middle of his question. I think it was something that just came out right, because right. He, was, he was uncomfortable asking the difficult question because nobody else is doing it. You know, it's very, it's very unusual for someone other than Peter Ducey to stand up and ask a difficult question of Joe Biden. And when you do it, I imagine Ed O'Keefe felt the eyes of the rest of his colleagues boring into him as he's standing up asking a reasonably difficult question. Yeah. Because you know, you, it's really difficult to be the only one straying from the pack. Yeah. You know, Ducey, Ducey will do it because that's who Ducey is, and I'm sure that the rest of the press corps looks at Ducey with uh, a fair amount of disdain. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that, but that's my guess. Oh, yeah. Even while he works so when for you're Fox. Guy, yeah. I mean, who's going to be the one to stand up and ask the difficult adversarial question when no one else is doing that? I mean, there's very much packed journalism here. It's very much a club, and no one wants to be kicked out of the club. You know, they they all voted for Biden, right? So who wants to be the one to stand up and, and ask the tough question? Yeah, and you wrote today in the Daily Signal that you, you think maybe the one of the reasons the media are much tougher on him is that they they feel kind of betrayed, because they cheerleaded for him, and now he's, he's making an idiot of himself and making idiots of them for having, you know, not exposed him. Yeah, so it, it, this is on two tracks. So they're, as we were just discussing, they're not asking Biden any tough questions right. to his face. But when, <clears throat> when they write stories or if they're sitting in the studio, they are tougher on him. And I think it's because during, during the campaign, Biden was not their first choice. They liked Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or one of the others from the group of Democrats. And then once Biden became the Democrat nominee, he became their guy. He was their guy. And the ones who were with him and covered him on the campaign trail, they knew all about how feeble he was and how he couldn't answer questions and how he would get angry and lose his place. They knew all about it because they witnessed it in person, but they covered for him. And they cheerleaded him, and they helped him win the election. And so now that he has embarrassed them for having you know, stuck up for him by his, by his dismal performance, and his, he's clearly in over his head, I think they feel a little bit betrayed. You're exactly right. And now they feel they have license to lash out because, like, you know, gosh, we helped get you in there, and this is how you pay us. And this is exactly, look, this is who we told everyone that Joe Biden was. This is what we said during the campaign. Joe Biden is not up to the job. He has always been wrong about foreign policy. Obama's defense secretary said that. And here he is wading into his very first sticky foreign policy issue. And look what's happened. It's a complete and total disaster. And the White House doesn't even know how to handle it. And what's interesting about it is that we had four years of Donald Trump and everybody was, not everybody, but most of the media uh, were expecting a disaster, especially in foreign policy, because this guy was, you know, he was a a uh, a, a, a billionaire playboy um, reality TV star. What could he know about anything? He's just—it's going to be a disaster. We're going to get into World War Three, and here you have this guy who's been around for fifty years. He's been in office twenty minutes, and everything is screwed up. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the, the, the southern border, I mean, there's what's not screwed up? 
Oh, yeah, I know. And, and the COVID is getting worse again. The southern yeah. border is bad. People won't take jobs because Biden is paying them not to work. And now right. we have Afghanistan. Biden promised, right, that the adults are back in charge. This is what we heard. He was yep. going to rebuild our relationships with our NATO allies. And the world would know that America was back. This is what he said. Well, look at the reaction from our NATO allies. They all think they can't trust America anymore. There was, and Biden says, well, I don't know. I'd never heard about any of these criticisms. There was open revolt in British Parliament. Yeah. People were screaming about how Biden has loused this up so bad and not warned any of our allies that he was going to withdraw so abruptly. Uh, there has been public criticism in Germany and in Italy. Uh, you know, the G7 and our NATO allies were absolutely blindsided by this. And they do not trust Joe Biden. And this is the guy who said... He was going to rebuild these relationships. Well, they now know what the reporters who covered Biden knew and what we knew on the Trump campaign, that Joe Biden has absolutely lost his fastball. He's a pitcher who is out of gas, and the opposing team is just having batting practice on him, and that's exactly what's going on. Talking to Tim Murtaugh, former communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Uh, Tim, what do you think is happening uh, uh, just from a – a messaging standpoint. I mean, what what's happening behind closed doors at the White House when it comes to getting this message out and keeping everybody on the same page? I, I can't believe that everybody in that uh, in in close quarters there agrees with what he's doing. But you know, what goes on in a situation like that where they have to make sure that there aren't leaks and and that everybody is is on the same page, as they say. Well, what the, what Jen Psaki is doing is going up there, and she's just the, the term that everybody uses now is gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just going up there and trying to assure everyone that this is all going to according to plan. We planned for all of these contingencies. This is the greatest airlift in the history of mankind, and everything is wonderful. We yeah. should be congratulated. These people are not stranded. You know, sure, they can't get to the airport and they can't get on a plane to come home, but they're not stranded. Well, how dare you use that word? So her job is to go up there and, and in the Biden White House anyway, and not ever, ever give in to any acknowledgement that things are really going south. And I think they have another problem on their hands because they, they can't control when the, when the Pentagon and the joint chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, when they go out, and actually directly contradict things that the president has said. And people know this sort of stuff. There was a United Nations report. There's been uh, DNI uh, reports about this. When Biden says that al-Qaeda no longer exists in Afghanistan, when it is an established fact that al-Qaeda has a foothold in, in about half of the provinces in Afghanistan, uh, you cannot help but the president see the president immediately contradicted by military people who actually know what's going on. So they're, they're holding on for all their for all, all their worth, I'm sure. And Jen, I don't envy Jen Psaki's job because she's got to try to go out and put lipstick on this pig. But yeah, yeah. I, it's a tough job, a really tough job. I was just going to ask you that. Uh, having been in that situation yourself, uh, do you have any sympathy for her? I mean, I sort of do, but I, I don't in that they always get a free ride. Look, at, we always say in, in Republican circles and especially in the, the Trump circle that, man, it must be easy to wake up every morning and be a Democrat and have to deal with the media because mm-hmm. they're all on your team. Yeah. Well, Jen Psaki and the rest of the Biden White House, they're now getting a taste of how the media treats Republicans every single day of every single year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do understand and acknowledge that Jen Psaki has a difficult job, uh, and, and I get that. But it, it sort of is, you know, you look at it from a communications perspective, and this is what I've done for a living, and you, and I think, we are, well, so how does it feel to have everybody, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> Right to, to walk a mile in our shoes one time. Yeah, I um, I have a tough time watching it because um, I I I I can't get past the fact that she's out there as a buffer, and I I don't believe anything she says, and I don't I don't believe. Well, I don't say I won't say I don't believe that she believes anything she says, but I I, I just wonder uh, how tough it must be for her to be. Sp- saying things that she knows can't possibly be true, but she has to yeah. say them. And she's in a difficult... Look, I, I know how she's in a difficult spot, but today she's out there, you know, and the big thing now is the August 31st deadline for final withdrawal of American troops, right? That's 
that's really the crux of it. That is the most important fact of this whole conversation, the deadline for withdrawing American troops. And a reporter from, from NBC, Peter Alexander, another guy that I know, asked her, now, does that mean midnight on the 31st or midnight on the 30th? Or what does that mean? When you say August 31st, what yeah. does that actually mean? And she said, I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> now, the deadline is the most important thing in right. this whole episode. Right. And she doesn't know. Now, either she's not willing to say or she truly doesn't know. Maybe they haven't even considered that question yet. Who knows? Who knows? No. But, so her role today, she had a press briefing, her regular press briefing today, and she went before Biden went. Now, typically the role of the White House press secretary is to be available when the president is not. Because mm-hmm. the press doesn't typically in any White House get access to the president every day. Right. In the Trump White House, it was most days. So she goes, she has her briefing, and then Biden, who was five hours late today, by the way, right. came out at about five o'clock and did his briefing. Jen Psaki took all the tough questions. Biden didn't take any questions. That's yeah. remarkable. The yeah. White House press secretary, who nobody voted for, she's the one who gets all the questions. The president of the United States does not. I only got about a minute left, uh, Tim. Again, Tim Murtaugh, former communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Um, is Joe Biden watching Jen Psaki today? Was she? Was he watching that and listening to every word, you know, and, and <laughs> hoping that she says the right thing? How does that work? I don't know. I mean, sometimes a president will sit there and watch the, the White House press secretary uh, to take the questions. What goes on in the Biden White House, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just wonder in general, you know. How, I think, well, President Trump, I think, watched the briefings a lot because yeah. he wanted to see, to make sure that people were putting forward. the. I can tell you that he was watching me when I was on TV because right. he would call me when I got off the air. <laughs> right, right. To, uh, right. You know, give me some helpful pointers. But I don't <laughs> think, I think they were working really hard on what it was that Biden was going to go out there and say because he was supposed to come out at noon mm-hmm. and it didn't come out until 5 p.m. So I think I think that they, you know, had their heads down writing his remarks that he was going to read off the teleprompter right. and trying to put the happiest face on it. So I doubt very much that he was watching. And, of course, he took no questions. So, um, no hey, hey, Tim, always good to have you on and uh, hang in there. And uh, I I'll hope to talk to you again. Thanks. You bet, John. Always a pleasure. Thank you. OK, that's Tim Murtaugh. And we will be right back. Shades are in. Get your home summer ready with custom window treatments from Blinds.com. Get a high-end look without the high-end price on our most popular outdoor shades. And transform your backyard into the perfect weekend oasis with light-filtering shades that help block UV rays without obstructing your view. Plus, right now, we're offering up to 35% off everything, making it a breeze to upgrade any room in your home, indoors or out. With over 25 million blinds sold and 35,000 five-star reviews, there's a reason why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Whether you do it yourself or have them handle the install from start to finish, Blinds.com makes ordering custom window treatments online easy with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Sunshine and barbecues are in the forecast. Upgrade your backyard and window treatments with Blinds.com today and enjoy your new view all summer long. Visit Blinds.com today to shop up to 35% off-site wide. That's Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable, and Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors, and Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year for a limited time you'll get 50 percent off the giza dream sheets you'll receive a set for as low as 49.99 go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code stag there you'll find not only this amazing offer but also deep discounts on all my pillow products including the my pillow mattress topper and so much more call 1-800-716-8087 use the promo code stag go to mypillow.com make sure you use the promo code stag it's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. 
Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, as a guy who uh, spent my entire life in the media, uh, Mostly, of course, uh, in the sports media, if you know anything about me here in Pittsburgh. But um, uh, I watched those those um, press conferences in that room, and I was actually in that room one time uh, when when the when Penn State won the um, national championship. I was there for the uh, you know the celebration when the Penn State team was at the White House with Ronald Reagan, uh, and so I, I, I it's kind of cool for me to know that I was in there, I guess. But anyway, uh, I. I I just watched these press conferences, and why is it that only Peter Ducey of Fox is the guy who asks the tough questions? I'm wondering, what happens if he doesn't show up? Like, if he's not there for that press conference, does anybody ask Jen Psaki about the people being stranded? And then we have the stories that we see all over the place today about her trying to... Uh, I don't know, it was semantics that she was trying to hide behind, where she was saying that uh, I wouldn't use that word stranded. But uh, that was a perfectly legitimate question. Are the are the media, the non-Fox media who are in there, are they deferring to Ducey? Do they want him to ask the tough question because they don't want to upset uh, the big guy and they don't want to upset anybody in his administration because... They're you know they're buddies they 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 get along. I mean, uh, who was the guy that, that Tim mentioned? And I saw somewhere the guy from CBS. He asked a question about polling, and he said, "You know, geez, I'm you know I, 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 your polling's really bad and blah blah blah." I, I hate to ask you this, but I'm, please forgive me. I'm just the messenger. What kind of a question is that from somebody in the media who's who's older than uh, 12 years old? I mean, if, if you've been around for 20 minutes, you don't ask that. You don't apologize. You don't apologize to the football coach for saying, you know, hey, I, I hate to ask you this because I know it's a tough question, but why didn't you bench the quarterback? You don't. That's just not how you do things. But that's what goes on, and they they really they embarrass themselves every day. And I, and it's hard really to watch Jen Psaki because uh, she's just helpless out there and yeah i i know i don't know what tim said that they're probably not in there watching her every word but i have a feeling uh, they are i'll talk to you tomorrow the john staggerwald show is a production of the answer pittsburgh and salem media group